G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Jesus said, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. An important feature of the workings of fear that we do well to understand is what is called the roller coaster philosophy. And the roller coaster, like all fun rides, is popular with thrill seekers. And the thrill of the roller coaster is that our mind is tricked into thinking we are in danger when we're not. That's the thrill. That's a common ingredient to fear. Most of the things we fear never actually take place. Mark Twain once said, I've been through some terrible times in my life, some of which actually happened. And that's the thing with fear is that we imagine so many things will go wrong when they are not even a potential threat to us. If you're experiencing fear right now, it may be a good idea to ask if there is some lie that you're believing, something that you're fearing that you shouldn't really be fearing at all. Jesus said, you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. This is Set Free with Ken Legg. A very practical discussion this week on overcoming fear. Hello, and welcome to Set Free. Phil here, along with author and pastor Ken Legg. Now, one of the points that Ken has made regarding fear this week is that it's becoming an ever-increasing problem in today's society. We've talked about the rise of anxiety attacks, the expanding list of phobias. And yet, of course, fear isn't new. Ken, as you've said, it dates back to the Garden of Eden when man became disconnected from God. So how did people deal with fear back in Bible times? Yeah, good question. In fact, uh, fear is quite a prominent theme in, in the Bible because it is experienced uh, in every generation and, and by all kinds of people. Um, but let's look at one passage in the Gospels to answer that question, Phil. Uh, it's the time when the disciples were on the Lake of Galilee by themselves. You remember the storm came up mm-hmm. and very soon they were in trouble. Uh, they'd been there for several hours. They were prevented from getting to the shore by these strong waves. I think some commentators say that they'd actually been on the lake about nine to 12 hours trying to bring this boat to shore, but just not succeeding, you know. Then, of course, Jesus came walking on the water and they thought it was a ghost. And he says to them, don't be afraid. And they said, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's easier said than done. You may put yourself in that situation. Yeah. You probably would have been fairly freaked out for a start that he's there on the water, freaked out by all the waves and wind and everything else, and he's saying, don't be afraid. Yeah. But let's look at the nature of fear once again. We feel anxious when our perceived needs exceed our perceived resources. In other words, when we feel we're coming into a situation that we don't have the ability to cope with it or control it. And that's the position that they were in. They were in danger of drowning. Now, up until the time that Jesus appeared, it seemed that the water would soon be over their heads. But then that which was threatening to be over their heads was under his feet. Mm. He was walking Mm. on the water. Mm. And I think there's a spiritual lesson there. I think some of these miracles of Jesus, they really do illustrate actually Bible doctrines. And here's the doctrine that it illustrates. You know, in Ephesians, we read that God has put all things under his feet. And he goes on to say that he's given him to be the head 
over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And he's raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So everything's under the feet of Jesus, just like it was on the lake. Even the water was under his feet. Now we are in Christ and positionally everything is under our feet. Mm. What threatens to be over our head, causing us to fear, is under his feet. Therefore, it's under our feet as well. What an amazing situation, though, when they're on the boat there and it's all going crazy. Yeah. And then Peter, he plucks up some faith and says, okay, I'm going to come out, Lord, and then off he goes. Yeah, well, Peter saw this for a moment, he, you know, that what he feared would be over his head actually was under Jesus' feet, so therefore it could be under his feet as well. Why not? He's my saviour, he's my Lord, you know. So he said to the Lord, well, if that's you out there, tell me to come to you. Mm. And he did. Yeah. <laughs> and out he goes. Yeah, someone once said, what's the point of having a saviour who can walk on water if you don't follow him in his footsteps? <laughs> and, 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 you know, trust without obedience is, is dead faith. Works without faith is presumption, but trust without obedience, you know, without stepping out on that faith mm. is a dead faith. Now, of course, Peter really manifested true faith. He got out of the boat. He started to walk towards Jesus, but then he took his eyes off Jesus, and that's when he began to look at the circumstances and, and reckon on those in his own resources and began to sink. And Peter gets a pretty bad rap. You know, there's <laughs> certainly a lot of sermons that I've heard uh, about Peter is the sort of beating up on the poor guy, but we really should remember that he was the only one in the boat who actually stepped out. Nobody else did. That's right. He, he's, he's got that one to his credit. <laughs> well, the other stayed in the security of the boat. But here's an interesting thing, um, Phil. I don't know if you've ever noticed this. After that incident, this is what we read. Then he went into the boat to them, and the wind ceased. And they were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure and marveled. And it says this, for they had not understood about the loaves because their mean? heart was hardened. Yeah, exactly. What does that mean? Well, it's referring to what happened before that. An incident happened before that, which we call, you know, the feeding of the 5,000. And um, when Jesus fed the 5,000, we read this, that he lifted up his eyes and seeing a great multitude coming towards him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? And then we're told that he said that to test them, for he himself knew what he would do. In other words, he was saying, okay, here's your situation. What resources do you think you have? Mm. You know, Do you think you have enough resources to deal with this situation? And one by one, they began to reckon on their own resources. You know, Philip says, oh, eight months' wages is all we have, and, and that would never feed this amount of people, you know. Uh, others said, oh, it's, it's, it's wasteful to spend so much on one meal. They were, they were thinking in terms of their resources. Mm. Andrew said, well, we've got a boy here. He's got five loaves and two fishes, but what are they amongst so many? You know, they were thinking on the basis of their resources. And, of course, in doing that, they were just leaving him out of the picture. It reminds me of something else that we discussed earlier this week where you said that one of the ways God equips us to face fear is by reminding us of past situations of his deliverance. And here we see that the disciples hadn't understood it. They just didn't get it. The, the miracle of the loaves that had happened not long before they were in the boat. They didn't learn from that experience to trust him in the middle of their storm or their situation. Yeah, that's the point. I think that that, uh, that line that we read, you know, they had not understood about the loaves. Jesus had allowed them to be in a situation where their own limited resources would not be able to cope with the situation, but they didn't then, you know, use that as a springboard for faith in his resources. So they hadn't learned that lesson there. They didn't learn it on the lake. But here's another another interesting thing, that in the record of the feeding of the 5,000 that we just talked about, 
uh, we read that um, the multitude came to the place, and this is what it says, where they ate bread after the Lord had given thanks. Now, every time I, I read that, uh, Phil, I used to think, oh, the Lord said grace. Mm. You know, the Lord had given thanks. But actually, I don't think that's what it's meaning because you often see this. We, we see it again, for example, um, in the feeding of the 4,000. He gave thanks. Now, was he just giving, you know, saying grace like we do before a meal? No, I don't think he was. I think what he was saying is, Father, you know, we're in a situation here where our resources are not sufficient for this need. But I thank you that you are here and we can tap into your resources in this situation. It's almost like what he said um, when he called Lazarus to come out. He prayed a very similar sort of a prayer. Yes, he did. He said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. He gave thanks. And that's that's the meaning of giving thanks. Um, and so basically what we're saying here, Phil, let's, let's kind of you know wrap this up. In these situations where fear is a very present tense reality, God wants us to really go beyond our own resources. Fear usually comes in when we only reckon on the situation purely on the basis of our own human resources. But we're not alone. God is with us. And and, and that's the, the thing that overcomes fear is that our faith in God brings us into resources that are limitless mm. and that can bring deliverance to us in that situation. That's why I believe that in the Christian life, um, you know, we're constantly urged to give thanks in all things. That doesn't mean just be grateful, but it's an expression of our faith. I, I often say that thanksgiving is the language of faith mm, because good. it says, Father, I thank you. I don't know what's happening here. I don't know what's going to happen, but I know you are here and I thank you that you're with me and your grace is going to be sufficient for me in this situation. I hope this will help you overcome fears. That's our subject this week, and we'll have more for you tomorrow. In the meantime, remember you don't have to carry that baggage. God wants you to be set free. For books, DVDs, small group studies and other resources from Ken Legg, including the book What's Eating You, which features topics from today's message, shop online at vision.org.au. That's vision.org.au.